Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name's Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors and today I'm here with Edward Hennings. Hello Edward, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Um, good evening and thank you first of all for inviting me on. I'm truly honoured. Um, I've sort of been stalking you a little bit uh, 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 during lockdown and beyond. So it's kind of nice to actually get a conversation rather than just a voice or, you know, images um, on, on LinkedIn and, and yeah, you know, Instagram and so on. How terrifying having to put up with me. I apologise profusely. Uh, no comment. Um, I think, look, it's a, it's a really great world we live in. And, and I think all, all of us that shared during these sort of 18 months of lockdown, um, there is a bit of a community um, who, who've kind of sort of joined forces in, in ways that it couldn't happen in you know, previous generations. So um, you also also have the choice to turn off. So that's quite important. I love you already. Um, yes, my mother has said to me on several occasions that she is actually sick of the sight of my face. So I completely understand why anyone else would want to switch off when they have just seen enough of me. So that's fine. I'm happy with that. So Edward, what is your business called and what do you do? Uh, business is called Alan D Hairdressing Education and um, it doesn't take a genius to work out that we are in hairdressing education also barbering um we've got uh, you know a long history uh we were a, a salon group with a school many many years ago and i joined the business about 30 years ago and now we are solely two hairdressing schools with hopefully and secretly another one opening at another part of the country in the new year awesome secretly tell me all about that first well secretly i can't give too much away but um it's going to be in far north of the country um, well out of our comfort zone um, in partnership with another great business um, and again who found us during you know the, the depths of, uh, of of lockdown when we were doing our daily education and, and interviews and things and uh, we kept in touch and it became apparent that there was you know we had quite a lot in common um, we've been in the industry for a long time people know us people know our business know what we do and I think they, they felt that it was time that they could expand what they do together with, with us as, as the name. I love that. What, let, can we start all the way from the beginning? Because yes. anytime, so in, on this podcast, even though I, I, I work in the beauty industry, um, as you know, I don't tend to ha have these um, interviews with people who are in the beauty industry. I try to not shy away from it I, I like to have them occasionally but but because of the people that I hang around with every single day it would be so easy for me to interview people in the beauty industry yeah. every single day and I love to widen the audience because I think that it brings a more rounded um, knowledge to the business of being in the beauty industry but whenever I speak to somebody who's in the beauty industry their journey into it fascinates me so can we start from the beginning what made you want to get into this industry because I've never met that's my boy I've never met anyone who doesn't have a reason either at the start or they found their reason as they went on okay so I've taken a toss because I'm going to give you the honest here and first of all, one of the reasons that I'm so excited to speak to you is because of the, the, the variety of guests you've had on. And it's not just the same hairy people talking hairy. By the way, don't insult hairy people with beauty. We are we are standalone. We're hairy people. I know. But no, so listen, I was um, I was 18. Um, I did my A-levels at a public school badly. 
And I had the choice of either uh, going to university, which really didn't bother me, I wasn't fussed, or going to Marks and Spencer's or Lloyd's Bank. I chose Lloyd's Bank because I thought I'd end up in the city. It didn't kind of happen. I ended up in Bromley, Kent. And after about 18 months, I kind of realised it wasn't for me. Um, I got called into the bank manager's office after about 10 days and he took one look at me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm really unhappy with the way you present yourself. And I couldn't understand it. He said, you know, you're wearing a jacket and trousers. You're not wearing a suit. We expect you to be in a suit. And this was a man in a sort of suit that was 30 years old then with holes in it, holes in his shoes, stained, stained tie. And I thought, I mean, you know, this, is, this man's telling me that my brand new next double-breasted jacket with the gold buttons and my, my, my double-pleated trousers it was not smart enough. So I went home to my old man. Now, my dad was in the hairdressing industry since 1960. At that point, they had 25 salons since 1990. I said, Dad, I'm leaving the banking world. I've made the decision. It's not for me. I'm going traveling. So he said, do me a favor. He said, if you go traveling, he said, in about a year's time, I'm going to pick you up from somewhere in India, stoned out in your head, not knowing what day of the week it is. So I think we need to have a, you know, a sensible decision. Let's, let's talk. He said, I've got 20 salons. We've got a big salon in Regent Street. I've got two receptions to down. It's just before Christmas. You're very quick figures. Go and give him a hand. He must have known what was going to happen to me on that first morning at 8.30. I walked into this salon on Regent Street. I didn't have to take my earrings out. I didn't have to shave. I could wear whatever I wanted. And the truth of the matter was there was a French girl uh, with a rather large chest, about two years older than me. And that's the God's honest truth. I fell in love with her, with the industry, with the noise, with the buzz, with everything about what was going on. And I came home that night, eight o'clock at night. I said to my dad, this is it for me. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And that was it. That was 30 this month, 30 years ago, it was end of November um, in 1991. So you fell in love with boobs and then with the business? Well, I was 19 at the time, so you can understand. Um, so, so genuinely, and I still see the young lady from time to time now, so she'd been well in her 50s. She's great. Um, it was the buzz that drew me. And, and if you ask any hairdresser, They'll all tell you the same thing. That buzz drew them in. Even if they never had intentions earlier on, there's just an incredible buzz about our industry in a busy salon um, that does draw you in. And, and that was 30 years ago. So from that first moment of love, which I hear all the time and I love, yeah. what then got you from there to the businessman that you are now? Because that's the gap that I often have to bridge yeah. in salons, businesses. And it's not something that they learn, in my experience, it's not something that they learn quickly. It's usually when they've been running their own salon for 10, 15 years. What made you realise that there was more to being in the industry than just running a salon through passion? I, th I think, look, I'm very lucky because I've had my father there from the beginning and still to this day. So he's much more of the businessman. But the, the thing that I picked up very early on was it's a numbers game. You know, if you're, it's if just you're fully maths. booked. That's cool, what I say. It's just maths. Everything is maths. If you can get your bottom line right. So let's start at the beginning. You've got a new stylist who's starting to get busy. The second they become fully booked, they're too cheap. Get those prices up. The second they get too cheap again get those prices up, then bring someone in at the bottom end behind them. 
through training because that's my business apprenticeships and so on and, and getting young people into the industry that way you will always be where you need to be what we tend to do uh, we undervalue ourselves first of all oh go into this oh she's been a client for 20 years i'll just i'll do it for cheap it's fine she it's a, but that one that you've done for cheap actually becomes 20 of them who are undervaluing your service i think then you've got to look at things at like your expenses and when i told my father i was speaking to you he decided you're a genius he's never heard of you met you <laughs> He said, you tell that young lady, he said, you don't need a lawyer in life, waste of bloody time. You need a decent accountant and someone to work your leases for you, a specialist. End of story. And actually, it's genuinely, it's true. Because oh the, the I, I biggest thing. I cannot wave that flag anymore. A solicitor will only tell you what you want to hear and then give yes. you the choice to listen to him or not, which yes. is a waste of bloody time, unless you are facing a, law, a decision in law. Um, so because becoming the businessman was really a numbers game it's maths it's making it work can you afford to bring the next person in whilst you've got someone here is the people working with you producing the income that you need them to do and if they're not if not why are they not good enough do they need training are they not the right person right fit for your business um and 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 don't kid yourself you know we've probably made the, the mistake in the past when, when we had lots of salons and we don't anymore of trying to have too many big takers in a shop no point having everyone as big takers because they'll all be at each other. You need you need the big taker. You need the quiet mouse that just gets on and does her work and is reliable. You need a really good mixture, a bit like a football play, a football team. Get that football team right, and you won't be like Spurs. <laughs> I mean, if we'd have used a rugby analogy, it would have been easier for me. But even I know the Spurs are shit, so I'm with you on this one. <laughs> a bit unfair, but yes, I. Uh, you know, I'm flattered to deceive I prefer yeah <laughs> so why then the education what made you realize that that was something that had to be addressed because I am 100% in in the worst analogy possible is a conveyor belt for me I think it's important that it's a conveyor belt where you see people going up the ladder yeah. and you're filling the gaps underneath and yes of course sometimes you have to fill the ones at the top because you know things naturally flex and grow but if you have the people continuously moving from underneath then you can nurture them into really understanding every aspect of the business and for me that is vital whenever yeah. I do help somebody with their lease or, or with their whole business it's about giving them confidence to then filter that down into their team. Because if they, if you filter that down into their team, every single person who goes through your business is going to understand all the fundamentals of running a salon. And that's something I don't see enough. So why did you realize that getting the training right and getting the people through was so important? I think that the fact is that at every point, um, I mean, it even came to an interview I did yesterday looking for a new barbering educator for my Ipswich branch. And, and he said, and he great, great question. Well, you know, you're going to take me on, but what happens if I'm no good? I said, well, if you're no good, it's my bloody fault because I haven't trained you. So you know, we're, all we're, all, we're all very quick to say, well, they're no good, they don't do it. Education is the key to, uh, to every point. Um, and educate them to make them better. Don't educate them in something else as well. That's the other big thing we do. We go, well, they're shit at this, but they're brilliant at that. So what we'll do, we'll try and make the stuff that's slightly less bad. No, 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 no. Concentrate on what they're good at. Make that even better and find someone else to do what they're not good at. And, and I think personally, that's become my thing. You know, I, I'm, I have no attention span for detail. I like 
to I know where, what I'm doing with the business. I know where I want it to go. I do all the social media and the marketing because I believe it should be personal. When it comes to really drilling down, all I want to do is put systems in place and have better people than me doing them. And that's where education comes in. Yeah, I had a conversation with a guy, another podcast. I was on his podcast, yes, yes, yesterday, and um, and we are, and I, I don't know if you are, probably you are, but we we were both, you know, natural born entrepreneurs, as I call them. That probably sounds too wanky, but I mean like somebody who just is unemployable, basically, but just always had that entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit and just couldn't couldn't ever kind of not work for themselves and understands all of the parts of business and we were both one of the things we did agree on is that when you are that type of person and you're running a business especially when you want to scale it to the the stages that we both um, wanted to you have to have your fingers in every pie and have a working knowledge of everything but then you get somebody who's better at it to actually do the job Exactly. You need to know every part of what you do. So I need to know how many students are in. I need to know what they're, what level they're up to. I need to know what the gaps are missing. And I need for my team to tell me what they need. From that point, it's up to me to, to give an overview of where I need to go. We, I need to push it in one direction or so on. But there's no point me having a little bit of knowledge of everything and then trying to control everything. I mean, um, I can't remember who said, it. you know, what's the point of employing someone if you think you can do it better? It's just a waste of time. They, someone will do it much better than you can. But you've, you've got to be able to still be in control. I think too many business people perhaps get to a certain level, get a bit bored and move on and then wonder why it's failed afterwards. So I think it's important. I've learned that from my dad. You've got to come back and, and make sure what you've requested is is done. But there is no point employing someone and then telling them what to do, that, that, you know, employing someone to do something that you can't do and then telling them how to do it. It just, just doesn't make any sense at all. It's taken a long time. I've got a guy that runs uh, the day to day of our schools. I mean, he's incredible. His knowledge is just off the scale. I don't want to know half the crap that he has to read. I just don't. But I want to know that it's making our business um, better. And then if you ask my wife what I do for a living, she says I just spend all day on Facebook, which is kind of what I do which is roughly accurate <laughs> it's sort of yes it, that and TikTok to be honest with you because I'm a bit of a TikTok sensation are you we're one of the biggest hair accounts on TikTok purely by accident 27 and a half million views of our videos so far shut up no no genuinely that's Absol- amazing right I'm gonna have to stalk you afterwards <laughs> Alan D hair it's it's a bit nuts really no, but I think there's, you know, I have this conversation with all of my clients all of the time that I don't, I think they are trained in social media incorrectly, personally, is my opinion. Um, I am not a social media trainer and I never wish to be. It's not my area of expertise. However, I do not believe that people pick their salons from a before and after picture. I think they decide who they are going to spend seven hours a every six weeks with by their personality and by the fact that they can do the job yes but by their personality and I think if you don't show that and you don't show people you know the conversation that they're going to have with you for the seven hours you don't show that you're good at it that you have good reviews that your customer service is great the booking is great and all of those different things but if you don't show that personality that they're going to get to speak to they're not going to pick you and people also don't leave salons unless there's a reason for them to leave so yeah either give them a reason to leave because you're an expert in the thing they want 
or give them a reason to leave because you're the person they want to spend seven hours with. So, you know. I think it's, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and that's why I do all of our social media, because I think it's got to reflect our business, it's got to reflect us. It's got to reflect us as a family business. It's got to reflect my team as being with us, some of them for 20 years plus. I mean, honestly, they won't go. And I think for that reason, we, we've bred this sort of family family feel. I, I remember as I started hairdressing and started traveling in the mid 90s after a few years, we spent a lot of time out in the Far East doing delivering education. I mean, incredible times we had. When you got on an airplane and you arrived at a big event, you knew when the Tony and Guy team get off that airplane and into an airport, you knew when the Sassoon team walked through a door because everyone just turned around. And I've, I said, that's what I wanted to grow. Nowadays, we're not getting off airplanes, certainly not the last two years. Mm. We, we're online. And, and for me, it's important that everyone knows what the Alan D team stand for. And it means that I've got to lead that and direct it. I don't want a social media company doing exactly what they do for me for 10 other people because it won't reflect what I do. Look, I'm, I'm really lucky we're in a small business. I can say what I like. I can do what I like. I love my industry and it's always for the good of the industry, even if I piss people off occasionally. I think it's really vital to piss people off though. I, and I find it really easy, which is great. But <laughs> I, I, you know, for me, because I, because you have to work with me on a one-to-one -one basis when I'm negotiating your lease, I have to understand what your personality is like. I have to understand when you're going to freak out and sign any shit lease that you're offered. And that's a really big part of it. But you also have to understand the way that I'm going to talk to you every single day. So I turn up on social media as exactly who I am. You can see me on any platform speaking to any person. And I'm going to use the same language, the same terminology, the same phraseology, the same hand gestures, the same, you know, facial expressions everywhere that I turn up. And that's that was intentional and it was freeing too. It gave me permission to just be who I am, which is easier than trying to be something else. And I say it yeah. to every single one of my clients, just be you because they're going to walk into your salon and they're going to see you anyway. So if you turn up like that every single day, it pre-qualifies people who will and won't want to be around you. I think it's really important that we are human as well. Look, you know, everyone talks about Instagram. Now, Instagram is only what you want people to see. But actually, occasionally show warts and all. Um, we've, we've got a couple of salons that we work for, and the, 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 the bosses are incredible. And you get to see the bad day they're having with their kids sometimes because it's part of their branding that, that, you know, something. if you're going to be one of our clients, you want to know that actually we have badly behaved children as well. And we have days we can't get to work because our children are really naughty and, and ill and things and, and I think certainly if, if anything's been taught the last 18 months it's we are all human I mean my god the first month of, of lockdown when we created an online school and we went online we did I had one of my team delivered barbering education with his phone upside down and on lock so he was basically <laughs> cutting hair on the ceiling I had one whose partner locked their little yappy dog in the room while she was doing it and went out and so you had this sort of dog bouncing across the picture back, which was great. Someone else had his kid poking, poking through the sort of gap doing this every two. But it was so beautiful that it was so human. And I think our followers understood that we're in the same position as them, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone needs to know that you have a whole life that you aren't just the face of a company, a brand right. that you have you know a dog that you know 
doesn't like other dogs yeah. or a child that doesn't like other children or the fact that you know you're a, a mum of teenage beasts that only speak to you when they want money or to be fed I've got both ends to be honest we're, we're six up to 16 so you can only imagine oh Jesus what were yeah. you thinking no. I know I know no, that was bad management well when it when I got the opportunity to choose a time to meet with you obviously bath time with a six-year-old what an ideal opportunity get that one straight in I'm, I'm on there I've just got you booked in every single podcast fantastic (laughs) another drink with Denise another drink with Denise oh it sounds genius I should do this I know I'm not drinking today because I've still got more work to do which is very annoying it's a bit unfair isn't it I've not been well for two weeks I'm still catching up which is driving me insane but I'm did you have covid I had that not COVID, COVID thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. We've, fun enough, the kids, one of my kids had COVID and got over it about five weeks ago. But the other horrible, it was in the, it was not written, uh, the BBC did a whole thing about it. It's the worst cold ever. They actually did an article on it. It's horrible. I've never experienced anything. It was, it was like somebody had removed my batteries, so I couldn't do anything. And brain fog. I've never had brain fog before. Yeah. I couldn't articulate anything. I... Would be halfway through a sentence and then go, oh. and <laughs> me and my daughter went around the supermarket, and I literally said to her five times, "What are we having for dinner again?" She was like, "Mum, stop!" And I'm like, "I just can't remember. It's just awful." So yeah, it, yeah. it was a horrible bug. Yeah, ridiculous, and it's just taken ages to kind of get back up to speed. But I'm, you know, maybe I just shouldn't have worked, you know, sixteen, eighteen hour days before this, and I wouldn't probably be not used to working 16 18 nowadays because I've the, the funny thing is I, I did a, a vlog a couple of weeks ago about this because if you go through LinkedIn it's full of multi-bajillionaire entrepreneurs telling you not to work long hours not to work weekends say no to people don't take it all on yourself basically what they're saying is don't do what I did because I'm frightened that you might be better than me and I won't have a job anymore um, and it kind of got to me when we can go there Actually, do what the hell you want to make it work for you. If you've got to work those extra hours because you need the business, go and bloody well do it. Don't say no, for God's sake, because the entrepreneur is telling you not to do it. It's going to nick your business anyway. Yeah, I think there's a part of, for me, the issue is that I've spent, you know, the past 18 months saying, I'm here to help everyone, like salon salon owners. I'm here to help all salon owners. If there's anything you need, I'm the only one who specializes in this. If there's anything you need, come to me. And then if everyone comes to me, I then can't say, except I can't do it. Do you know what I mean? So (laughs) that, and that's one of the reasons why I love showing up as myself, because if I'm too much for people and it's just not them, I'm quite happy for them to not use me because you know, I, I'm comfortable with the amount of work I've got, but also if there's busy times, then that's on me because I'm still showing up everywhere and saying, I'm still here, here to help everyone. So while it's like this, I will work lots of evenings and lots of weekends. And, you know, yes, when I'm a gajillion air, I'll have a team of people that specialize in this. I'll be easier. But at the moment, if I have to show up all the time, whilst I agree, not everyone should do it tough that's business yeah, i know i agree with that no that's exactly you've got you've got to be there when you when you need it to be and and for us you know i joke about the social media things but actually i still need to go through it before i go to bed to see what's going on this is anything needs to be responded to um because tiktok particularly is getting very big now 
there's very often sort of, you know, you always get the haters and that's great news. When people start hating on you, you know, you're, you're getting there. So, you know, it's silly comments, it's nasty comments, which need to be answered with, you know, that's your opinion, but actually we're doing okay. And so I think it is a, it's a constant thing. You've just got to make it comfortable for what you want to do. Absolutely. So I want to get onto the whole salon culture thing that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. So in my experience, there's two major things that crop up all of the time that have a very diversive conversation that creates animosity within two camps. The first one is employed versus self-employed salon models. What is your opinion? Okay, really timely because I'm just putting together a new organisation and new association that's going to start in the beginning of next year called Salon Employers Association with four really you know, good friends in the industry, people we've known for many years. I don't think there's a right and wrong, first of all. Let, let me just get that out there. There was a nasty, nasty piece in the, on LinkedIn the other week uh, that said 39% of freelancers and mobiles and self-employed aren't trained. But, but absolutely, yes, I, I can't. It was nasty. It was cheap. And it was totally unfair because just that many percentage of employed salon owners won't be trained either. If they're, you know, it's just it's horrible and a cheap hit at a small part of the industry. There's, there's good and bad in each in each case if you're going to run a team of renter chairs you're not going to have a team particularly with the new ir35 rules coming out i don't want to bore your listeners they can find out i'm sure but there's going to be some new it's going to be tough to prove someone is genuinely renting a chair when you don't insist that you tell them what hours you're open when you don't purchase their products for them when you don't take their money when you don't have an online booking system and and so on the flip side, when you employ a team, you have a team and you have a, a group of people who hopefully will work with each other and for each other. And you can stipulate the hours someone's going to work and you get holiday pay and, and so on. That model is more expensive to run. Absolutely, it is. So the problem that we found is that the, the one model is much, much cheaper to run VAT, no VAT, no national insurance no pensions, and so on. What we're asking in the Salon Employers Association, we're trying to get into government to say, please help us make it even. If everyone was to pay a 10% VAT, no matter, you know, no threshold, but everyone pays it. If everyone was to pay X, Y, and Z, but if you've got run a national insurance contribution, perhaps corporation tax could be a little bit less at the other end. So I would absolutely not say that one way is, is wrong and one way is right. Um, I think I think that that's kind of cheap. I think there is there, there's ways that, that work. Let's be perfectly honest. You need a salon empl- uh, salon owner employing people to take on apprenticeship. So actually, if everyone becomes self-employed, there is no continuation of our industry, which is which is very sad. Personally, we run a hairdressing uh, school, so we will always find a way to train people. They will have to pay privately rather than government education. So I think there's there's both sides. But at the moment, there's no parity. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I constantly have conversations on the fact that you can set them both up. It's about how you manage them when you are actually when you actually have set them up. And and yeah. if you don't understand that and you try and set one up as a pseudo self-employed, you will you will get found out and you'll get found out badly. There's yeah, I I think unfortunately the government, I think eventually HMRC 
will make um they'll, they'll find the right person the right high profile person and rip them apart publicly i genuinely believe that um we have two people that rent a couple of chairs because they've got a big school in london they absolutely are on their own their own business cards their own payment system we won't even take an appointment for them over the phone we pass their personal number so it is totally separate as um, it absolutely has to yeah, be yeah yeah and that's great for them and it's great for us but I'm not convinced if you're trying to create a team and an ethos around your business, then no, it doesn't work. Unless your brand is that it is a kind of booth rental American style type Correct. thing. If your brand is that, then you can definitely build that brand. If your brand yeah. is you and it's a personal brand, you can't build that with self-employed. No. And, and that not, brand, not with true self-employed staff. That's right. And that brand can only attract the hairdressers to work in. You, you're not going to attract the client to join that brand so actually all you're promoting is your own physical space so you know there's two very different sides um speaking to one of our founder members is helen ward from richard ward hair and metro spa and and she's come up with a with a really good salary package based on commission because they employ all their team and actually when you look at it it's not that far someone who is self-employed won't be earning far less than her employed people, but they get the holidays and all the other bonuses with it. So I think if you're clever, and again, it comes back to the maths, doesn't it? If you're clever and you get your maths right, you can make it work. Saying that, there is nothing wrong with someone saying, I've got a building and I can afford to give out a chair for 50 quid a day. Great, well done, that, that's fantastic. Provided everyone's paying in as they should be. Yeah, I agree with that. So that, that brings me on to the maths question pricing of services i drive myself insane with having these conversations with my clients on how they are artists and how they are skilled artists and they are completely devaluing their worth by trying to charge you know 30 pound for a cut and you know 60 pound for a, oh yeah one I, I actually got banned from facebook for this because of how i responded but one um charging 50 pound for a balayage i lost my tiny mind how do we upgrade this industry if if covid didn't do it enough for most salons how do we get this into the ethos of the industry because that's what has to happen it cannot be silo it cannot be one by one we have to implore people to understand what it is that they do how can we do that so i mean that is a million dollar question look my view of the whole thing in lockdown we were the only industry where people were prepared to break the law to get oh i actually had an, an online altercation with someone break guidance I, I don't think it was actually a law but let's Let's not, I don't want to get people comment. People were prepared to break guidance to have their hair done and hairdressers were prepared to break guidance to do it. So our stock went like this. Um, literally, we became the most important. You know, if, you, if, if drinking was your thing, you could go to a pub and put your plastic cup through the window and they'd fill it and, you know, that was clever. But this was physically breaking the most stringent guidance about face-to-face -face, and people are prepared to do it if that doesn't tell you how important we are point number two let's not get arty farty about it it's a bloody haircut okay and i'm going to piss certain hairdressers off it's a haircut okay but it's much more than that it's an interpersonal it's me remembering you denise it's me remembering your birthday it's me remembering 
you lost a relative last time I saw you. It's re me remembering your daughter was in trouble for whatever reason. It's me remembering those things. And that's what makes the service. You can get a haircut anywhere. You can't get me anywhere. And that is the biggest difference. And that's what we need to remember. And when we start remembering that, we can then start charging for me. Now, I'm not suggesting for a minute I'm going to charge the same price as someone with different expenses and whatever. It's got to work for your business. But look at an average hourly wage of an electrician, a plumber and so on, and then start to make it work for you, because actually you're not going to lose people. You're not going to lose people. And if, if you're going to lose a couple, they're not the sort of clients that you want anyway. And I think that's what I always have. I always have that conversation with my clients. It's not. I mean, you, for me, I say you will lose people. You will lose people. But if you have that figure that you're currently making and doing 50, 60 clients to make it and you lose 20 clients and you're doing 40 clients and you're making the same figure, you have a better quality of life. Think exactly. of it in think of it in that way, and ha, you know, spend more time with your kids, or spend more time avoiding your kids. Spend more time yeah. at the pub with your mates. You know, whatever it is that you want to fill your time doing, it shouldn't be filling your time devaluing the yeah. service that you provide. I think I think it's an industry wide thing. We, we we're all it frightened is. because someone opens a business up next door, us down the road to us, next door across the road, they try and take the clients. That's fine. But actually, if it's you make the business about you as the hairdresser, your team, you've got nothing to worry about. They're not going to go across the road for a five or less because actually a five or less is nothing. I've always said it's a thing that's struck with me for years. You can either afford something or not. If you can't afford it, you're out of the equation anyway. After that, it becomes value for money. Everyone has a different value for money. You know, you could get a shitty pizza for 20 quid. There's no value for money. You could get the best pizza in the land where you're treated like a god for 40 quid. That's value for money. And our business is exactly the same. It's about that value for money. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I was trying to think in my head how much my hairdresser would have to charge me more in order for me to ever consider going somewhere else. And I, and right. I was doubling it and doubling it. And I couldn't. There was Let no me... figure. Let me give you an example. I've taken over a clientele from one of my hairdressers. She's been with us since the year before I was born. So she was, would have been her 50th year this, this coming year, which is incredible. She's retired. I've taken over her clientele. Now, the, the clients are paying between 150, 200 pounds for a service, some a little bit more. In the middle of a school, because that's where I work from, with not luxury chairs, not luxury backwashes. Yeah, proprietary products, of course, but noisy and things. They're not paying luxury prices for, for that. They're paying for me. And that's what you've got to realise, that someone is paying for you. They're paying your time. Make it worthwhile. So if somebody needs your help or needs, you know, to any training for um, in, in this industry, where can they find you? Best way to start is Alan D Hair, which is um, Instagram and TikTok, of course. And, and that's got a bit about us generally. Um, I've started my presentation skills workshops again from January. So that's um, anything to do with my presenting, hosting, you might have someone watching that wants someone to host their award ceremony, that sort of thing. That's Edward Hemmings presenter. Um, and there you'll find everything about us, about what we do. And of course, you know, I love having a conversation. I love education. And if someone is struggling with, with what to do with their apprentices, I'd be delighted to help. Love that. So we're coming to the end of the podcast and I end all of the podcasts with the eight months.
moment. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I make that perfectly clear. I love Eminem and he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him. He's skinny, is white, his mum lives in a trailer so that his opponent can't say anything bad back to him. So Edward, what's the worst things about you? I can be a bit grumpy sometimes. Um, I'm probably rather pig-headed. Um, my wife says I dress like a clown sometimes and must remember that I'm coming up towards 50 next year. Um, what else would there I To be honest with you, I don't think there's anything bad about me, truthfully. Maybe that's what's bad about me, that I think I'm genuinely that I'm blessed and there's nothing wrong with me whatsoever. <laughs> that's a great question. That's really tough, isn't it? I love that. There's this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, but nothing. Nothing's wrong at all. No, I don't gonna, think there is. I'm just going to ring your wife and just double check, see what she has to say. Maybe a slight differing of opinion. Yeah. Don't worry, my husband has a massive differing of opinion on when it comes to me too, so that's absolutely Well, we fine. always joke, to be honest, I've been divorced once and I can't afford a second one, so actually whatever she says goes. Yeah, same here. It cost me 25 grand last time. I don't have a spare 25 grand, so, you know, I've, I keep telling him, don't worry, you'll be dead before the divorce happens anyway, so it's not a problem at all. <laughs> not that he should be terrified. Anyway... What? I'm, I'm more of a fan of a taser than killing people, but, you know, whatever I have on available at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the podcast, Edward. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Like I said, I was really excited to speak with you. I've seen a lot of what you do on social media. And of course, the fact is your podcast is so varied with so many different guests. So I'm um, good. Thank you so much for having me on. No, I've loved it. And as always, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast, you can contact us at podcast at find-surveyors.co.uk. Say goodbye, Edward. Bye. Bye.